Welcome back to the Shock Absorber podcast. It is lovely to have you along with us, whether you're watching us on YouTube or you are listening to us in your ears via your favourite podcast app. I have two irregular co-hosts with me today. <laughs> <laughs> are you I'm irregular people? Irregular. <laughs> two. Okay. Um, Joy. Hello. Planning pastor at Soul Revival Church. Welcome. That's me. Thank you, you haven't been on for a long time. No. It's no, good to be there well. It's good to have you along. Thank you. And Braden, student minister or student pastor. Yeah, arts pastor, arts, pa- pastor. arts pastor as well, of course. Pastor of everything. Yes. Pastor of arts. I don't think I've ever been on Shock Absorber. You oh have no, I've been a talking. I was a. I was a talking voice behind behind, oh. behind the one scenes. Of the, yeah, behind one the camera. Of the, um, music about David Bowie. David Bowie. Yes. You were. Yes. You were David Bowie. Yes. Yes. So welcome aboard, Piggy Stardust. <laughs> to quote the latest Ted Lasso. Piggy. Yeah. Oh. Don't worry. Someone said Piggy Stardust instead of Ziggy. Oh, he's dressed as Piggy Stardust. Oh, well. okay, cool. Sorry. Well, uh, no we, spoilers. No yeah. spoilers. Well, this is funny because we usually bring up a cultural artifact of some kind, and we've, we're going to bring up one today that Jai and I have seen, but you haven't seen. Yeah. But then you just brought up Ted Lasso, and you two watch Ted Lasso, but I don't watch Ted Lasso. Oh, so yeah. uh, we're going with my Gotta one. Got to get into it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. Let's start off today. Uh, we recently, Jai and I, saw, and along along with another uh, a number of other people, the Jesus Revolution movie. Mm. What did you think? I thought it was really good. Mm. I think um, it wasn't cringeworthy, <laughs> which sometimes they mm. the, they can be. Mm. Um, and I, I, from what I understand, there was a lot of um, a lot of uh, uh, emotion in the cinema. There was a few tears, mm. a few times I reckon I teared up as well. Mm. It was like it was very very powerful uh, portrayal of what had happened during that time. Mm. In the, was it late seventies? Early early seventies, I think. 70s, yeah, yeah. yeah late but, 60s, uh, was it? Uh, Few tears because uh, I think the majority of the cinema were, were Christians, so they oh, <laughs> understood yeah, totally. what was going I, on. Yeah, I, mm. yeah, it would have been very interesting not being a Christian, being in that cinema watching that movie. Yeah, it would have been very interesting. And it was in a, a rather small cinema, but we told we well not us, but a number of us and other people had sold it out. We'd bought yeah, every single yeah, heat seat in the house. Yeah, it was so totally it was, packed. What was your favourite part of it? Um, I think there was a number of parts. I I really appreciated the. Uh, the honesty mm. they didn't um, they didn't try to make the characters better than they are mm. they didn't shy away from their failures, failures yeah. and flaws as well yeah. Mm. yeah and I also appreciated too that the um, the wives in particular uh, had a um, really pow- had really powerful moments um, with uh, with the pastors in uh, in the movie um, and I think too just the just I think highlighting the, the tendency when there's success in church for anyone in ministry to think that they're the ones causing it, uh, but that reminder that it's Jesus. Mm-hmm. Jesus is the one who brings the growth. Jesus is the one who does the ministry and we just partner with him. Yeah, um, That shine through time and time again, mm-hmm. which I was really encouraged by. And I like that part of it was like, this is bigger than they, uh, and it was both their wives of the two of the main characters yeah. were saying, this is bigger than you. Do you mm. think God was going to do this? Like, God will do this however he wants, yeah. not um, how you think you're going to do it, and you just were partnering with Jesus rather yeah. than, like, doing it yourself. Yeah. I think that was a really good reminder, especially for the, uh, all of us who are in, a, in some form of leadership at church. It's like yeah. you're actually not doing this on your own. Yeah. I think that yeah. was a good reminder. Yeah, and, and, you know, it was obviously, you know, um, the story too about uh, – glory as well and just about how as a kid someone trusted him and had faith in um his the gifts that god had given him and and trusted him to go and and lead a church and mm. and you know that, that church is going gangbusters still today so mm. you know that was very encouraging as well mm. and i suppose if you haven't seen it yet uh, we shouldn't say actually what it is so it's a depiction of something that happened within the jesus movement which was a kind of a countercultural revolution where a mm. ton of uh, hippies which is a, a part of the 60s and early 70s of the hippie movement a ton of hippies became christians yeah and there was actually a, it's like a christian hippie movement but it also became part of uh well-established churches and this is what a main part of the story is is how they actually came to become part of the church yeah um that i can't remember chuck was the, the Chuck pastor, Smith. Chuck Smith, yeah. and how he, the story was how he opened it up to allow um, some of his hippie friends to come in and how that upset a lot of people, mm. including complaints about the carpet. 
<laughs> yeah. Which is kind of funny. I shouldn't spoil too much in the movie. No, no, no. Yeah, spoiler alert. Probably too late for that one, but anyway. Yeah, sorry. And <laughs> <laughs> uh, Brandon, are you planning to see it? Um, I'm sure eventually. <laughs> I was going to go like on Monday said. night, but I had something else on. So. Oh, that's okay. You're like, I'll wait until it goes on stream. Oh, there was, there was discussions about maybe going again as part of um, late night, maybe renting a cinema, mm. going to see it again, or I'm sure it'll come out streaming yeah. something yeah. at some point. Yeah. So, yeah. 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 And and I suppose on the final point was it was cool to see. Uh, it's well known, obviously, that we are very much soul revivalist, and we 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 love the way that we do ministry. And there was a lot of parallels with the things that we saw in the Jesus Revolution movie to how I had experienced ministry. Uh, Jaya, for example, you were my leader. I've experienced you doing what was actually happening in the in the movie by actually preaching in the open air or preaching at a youth group and things things like that. So that was that was a really fun thing for me to see. Mm. And I think the Jesus movement has had a really large impact on how we do ministry. Oh totally, yeah. Which was fun to see and, and uh, I think once Stu's able to come on again we'll we'll get his reaction on it because he um he enjoyed it very much and, and he's a, a studied that movement a lot. So yeah. um it was cool. Yeah. Uh, had a lot of fun. So the reason we have both of you guys on is because really we wanted to give people a bit of a peek behind the curtain because we're actually been doing, actually been doing our jobs <laughs> rather than me just nattering on on a podcast. Not normally. Yeah, that's right. But um, we've got these two pieces of paper, two brown pieces of paper with lots of scribbles on it. Um, you might be able to hear it in, in the microphones or not, but do you guys want to say, like, we came up, the, we talked a few weeks ago about there being uh, no not ministry problems, actual gospel opportunities. So I yep. think that's where I'd like to frame this is what we're talking about today is that this is a gospel opportunity that we've been working on today. Yep. And as I said, it's a bit of a peek behind the curtain of what we're actually doing here at Soul Revival. We're looking at, in particular, we were looking in particular in one of our gatherings of how we could hope, hopefully grow it in terms of our double up strategy for 2030. It's a, a, a goal that we've set for ourselves is a double up, not just in people. That's a clear distinction we need to make is not just a double up in people, but d- double up in our discipleship, our mission and our resources. So that's the, also the frame of what we're looking at this is that how do we help one of our gatherings to do this? Can I get your first reactions about how you felt when we were starting to do this, guys? Well, I think um, uh, Jai's already mentioned, and I think you've touched on it already, Joel, as well, is this discussion came out of the framework of... Um, that we don't actually grow the church. Jesus grows mm. the church. We're partnering with him to do that. When we're talking about our double up strategy, that's not just saying us saying, hey, we're doubling up our, our numbers. We're trying to get as many people involved. Of course, we want lots of people to come and know Jesus and um, grow in that way. But we would. it's all coming out of the fact that if Jesus um, desire, if we, um, God, us partner, sorry, if uh, as a result of us partnering with Jesus that Soul Revival grows over the next 10 years, how can we be ready and um, take advantage of that? And equipping our church systems and equipping our church to do it. Yeah, yeah well. so that's the that's where we're coming from. We're not yeah. just um, this is how you grow a church, yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Right. It's not a we're, didn't, we're not talking like a growth, a church growth model, yes, we're we're talking partnership how do we partner with jesus how do we as a church set ourselves up to partner with jesus yeah and set ourselves to love the people that might come through the doors yeah. over that yeah next period yeah and that's something we're working through also with the 2030 goal of double up that if we we do have the the, the headline of that is double up mm-hmm. and some people some um, of the resistance that has come to us through church is like oh you just want to double up people we're not ready for that and that's where I think that discussion came from too, Brayden, as you're saying, is that, well, if we are partnering Jesus, then we can be ready for that. Mm. It's his church. He's going to grow it how he wants. And then we just need to partner with him in readiness. He's going to raise up the people that we need. He's going to raise the, the, the resources. He's going to help us um, disciple and mission as long as we are relying on what he's doing rather than yeah. we're doing it out of our own strength again. Something we're just talking about the Jesus Revolution movie Sorry, as yeah. well yeah. is that we're going to do this partnering with Jesus first. If we don't double up, that's okay because it's Jesus' church and that's what we're doing. But let's let's be ready for it because yeah. that's that's the idea. Yeah. So I think that's a really good point to start with, Brandon, because I think uh, we could go 
the other way and go, well, if we just do all these things, then yeah. God will definitely bless us. Now let's flip it around and let, let's let God lead us in how we're going to do this. Yeah. Mm. What were your, uh, I asked Braden, what, Braden answered the question, what were your first reactions? Were you thinking the same thing, Joy, or were you thinking something different? Or you are um, our planting pastor in charge yeah. of two of our, our church plants that we've mm-hmm. started since you've um, started working for the church. Uh, what, yeah, what was your initial reactions about what you wanted to do? And what, what was your position to begin with that I think as we can reveal it as we come, go through this, discussing this, how did you feel like it was going to end up? Um, I think my, my initial response to this was I was very excited. Um, <laughs> and I think too that, yeah, as we've said, 100%, it's all Jesus. Um, and I think it's helpful for us to think through the uh, framework of how we can partner with Jesus um, because we, we, we need to be as well thought through with that as we can but also be flexible enough to change as things change, um, which is the whole shock absorber idea. Um, and I think too that, you know, as Sarovol Church, we're very um, conscious of uh, making sure that all of our gatherings are unique but are also similar. Um, and so, we, you know, we want anyone to go to any of our gatherings and, and, and for it to feel like a Saw Revival Church, mm-hmm. uh, wherever it is, whatever uh, size it is. Uh, and so the discussions we've been having today have been really interesting and helpful um, as we think through what does that look like then? What are some of the, the, uh, the key elements that are common across all? What are some things that will change? What are, you know, distinctives of, of certain sizes and, and those sorts of things. Uh, so, yeah, really exciting uh, to be thinking through some of these things. And, again, as you said earlier, not seeing them as problems but as gospel opportunities, mm. uh, which has also been a helpful mindset. And you th- I remember you saying to me that, yeah, what are the boundaries? Because I think you've uh, you possibly felt that when we initially started Sorrow Revival Church, it was in Stu's Lounge Room. Then it went into where we were at President Avenue Community Church, where they were very gracious to allow us to meet there on a Saturday night. And then we moved to the factory where we actually are right now. Mm. But you were saying that when, in terms of planting the gatherings outside of where we are at Kiriwi, because we like to um, adopt a hub-and-spoke model that Kiriwi is kind of the hub, Yep. And then we have our uh, churches that are able to share resources and, and other things with the hub church that we have, but we're still planting outside of that church mm. in order to reach more people. Yep. So I remember you saying that what are the things that can change and what are the things that can't change So to ensure that we are like meeting within that particular area, especially the two gatherings that you are responsible for outside of Kirui, but also what are the things are similar? I, I was wondering when we came, when we put all this down, were you already thinking what we put down or was there things you're like, oh, that's, that's making me realise these are the things that we might be able to, to keep working on or to, to adapt in order to meet the goals that we're trying to meet for 2030? Uh, yes and no. <laughs> okay. uh, I think there were some things there that I'm like, yep, uh, I was already thinking those and some that we... Uh, that we dive deeper into and uh, opened up stuff that I probably wasn't expecting, and has been that's been exciting, and a couple of things that um, that have been helpful for us that I probably wasn't thinking about either, um, and so so a mixture of all those things really, um, and I guess as the the idea of the the boundaries is just an idea of uh, when you uh, when you're doing something. I think I used this illustration before. You get told you've got a blank canvas. That's a wonderful thing to have. But if you don't know the size of the canvas, then you don't kind of know what you're going to be painting and what you're going to be putting on it um, or how, you know, the scale of what you need to do, those sorts of things. So it's just to, just defining what the, um, the the size of the canvas is or the, the boundaries, so to speak, so we can then work with what we've got and where we're at. Um, and what we've been talking about is that that, that canvas will get bigger and so that, uh, as the, as the, if, you know, under, under God... Uh, if so, the canvas will get bigger and then so certain things will change mm. and, and, and morph and become different as we go on. Mm. And it's not necessarily all about growth as well. It's no. been about sustainability at different sizes. Yep. So not just building something that's only sustainable when it's 100 people, but how do we make something that 
it's 15 people, sustainable, yeah. always looking to grow, obviously, and introduce yeah. more people to Jesus. But how can we be loving and discipling the 15 people while they're at that stage? Mm. Totally. Yeah, and that's uh, and that's the thing is, that, you know, we, we've fallen into that category a little bit, but there I know a lot of churches and church plans do is they try to pull off the big church model with a little church. Mm-hmm. And so, um, you know, rethinking through those things and, you know, and yeah, not, not only are we thinking about, you know, if we grow, but um, thinking about, well, how do we grow the people that we have already there, mm. which is part of that double up is that d- double up our discipleship. So we want those who are coming to grow in their discipleship, to grow in their maturity and their faithfulness and their trust and their love of Jesus and to grow in their personal evangelism as they as they do that. Um, and so if in the 10 years all we achieve of, of the 15-odd people that are there, that they're, they double up in their discipleship well then that's a success mm. do you know what I mean yeah and I think that's that the goals that we have in terms of double up again the headline is that sounds daunting but daunting but when you start to think about it in those kind of terms I think it seems a lot more real and a lot more realistic as well yeah. because uh, for one of our gatherings for example we think that it's probably doing quite well in that kind of mission category yeah, yeah. in because um, we have those three categories discipleship mission and resources yeah. but we think that maybe it is lacking a little bit in discipleship so what's the gospel opportunity there mm. is well we can how do we foster more discipleship going on how do they how do we how, how do we help our members that are part of that gathering reading that are they reading their bible daily are they praying daily are we working together as a team in order to build each other up and those kind of things. Yep. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. I also wanted to pick up something you said, Joy, just before of like uh, some church plants trying to pull off the big church and another scenario. And I, you did mention something interesting that, you know, we, we, we'd like to say we should blow up some rockets yep. um, <laughs> using, using the analogy of SpaceX, um, Elon Musk's, Musk's company uh, that are, launching rockets into space which they recently had one that got really far and then but then they blew it up and they were all cheering i don't know if you saw that i'd be cheering too if i blew a rocket up <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> i'm all for that yeah well the latest the latest one they, they got it into a certain place and they had the initial burners break off and then they i think they went to go for the next one and it just blew up into space oh, right, and yeah. then they showed like the command center wherever they were doing it, and they were all just supporting it and, and enjoying it but that what that means is really uh, in terms of an iterative approach that taking some experiments, uh, Stuart's also used the analogy of building a bridge to a new reality. Because if you build a bridge across to a new place, then you can always come back to where you came from. Yep. All of that said, you talked about plant, like almost plonking a church that in a new place that's the same as the old church or the same size. Mm. But you also mentioned to me, and the reason I bring this up, is because you said perhaps some of the gatherings who are trying to pull off Kirui in another uh, location. Uh, tell me about that realisation and why you think that may have been a little bit misguided from us and might have been a couple of rockets that we blew up. Yeah. Um, I think we, we, yeah, we've we talked about how, you know, a lot about our, our why and our how of what we do. Um, and then when we get to the what, we often talk a bit uh, that it's flexible and moving, but we probably haven't articulated exactly what that looks like um, fully. It's been a little bit ambiguous, and so I think you know there are a few things that have changed. We've got a, you know instead of using a kitchen, we have a uh, caravan, and we meet in offsite facilities instead of a, a permanent one, and little things like that that we've just gone well. Okay, there are the differences, mm-hmm. uh, but we want to make sure that you know as I said earlier, I think that um, we want all of our Sarovol churches. To look and feel like sorry Bible church and so i think we've fallen into the trap and you know I, I take some of that blame on that you know that we have thought well to do that we need to look and we need to do all the things that we do here on a saturday night or a yeah, sunday right. morning here and so that um i guess putting all that uh, that energy into trying to do that with a smaller church is not really doable or manageable um, which is what we've been talking a bit about today, about how to how do we still keep that feel and that look, without having to be to do all the things that are that are fully I'm not going to say fully functional, but like a um, a church of a you know of a hundred plus can actually do mm. um, when you're only 15, 20, 30 people. Mm. I mean, a great example of that is, and I, I want to throw this to you because it 
uh, you're much better, well, more, much better versed in it than I am, is the schools. Because yep. we originally planted two gatherings in schools, but we've yeah, moved yeah. away from that now. Yep. Do you want to tell us why that was? Yeah, uh, a lot of schools, especially um, in New South Wales and in the area where we're at, um, decided that they, and, you know, rightly, stop against vandalism and all sorts of things, put up these massive, almost prison-like fences around all the schools. <laughs> yeah, they do. And so it's almost impossible to get into a school, which is good. <laughs> unless you have a key. <laughs> unless you have a key. Um, but even then, like, you can only open a couple of doors uh, it's, it's very blocked off and it's to protect the kids, which is fantastic. Yeah. Um, but it also meant that doing church in uh, school halls meant that it was very obstructed and you couldn't, it was very hard to find the entrance. You didn't know what was going on. And most, well, the, the two schools that we were in anyway, the halls were actually quite a distance away from main roads. They kind of tucked away. It was really hard to see where we were. Um, and even putting out banners and signs and all those sorts of things really was not enough for people to see what was going on. And so we realised um, just after, or just before COVID, just after COVID, I can't remember, um, that it might be worthwhile trialling somewhere else, and we, which we did, which was much more prominent and open. And we realised that actually one of the best pieces of advertising is actually people seeing people. Yeah. It's like uh, a busy, almost like a busy restaurant, you know, yeah. at least you're probably going to get some decent food there. Yeah, you know, yeah. and so to actually see um, not just the sign, but actually the people gathering there actually made a huge impact on visibility, but also people just popping in and just seeing what was going on. Uh, that's happened with both of our um, gatherings that we, we had in schools. We've moved them out of schools. And uh, while it was a great blessing while we were in those schools, um, we've seen uh, fruit, uh, it's probably a, a larger fruit from being a bit more uh, in a bit more open space visible visible yeah, yeah that makes sense prominent place because i mean with the schools you've got like you said the big ga- the big fence so you got to get through a gate and then walk a reasonable distance to anywhere at the hall or wherever you were holding the service in particular yeah yep. and then we still had the caravan for example yep. which is what we use at both these two gatherings yeah but even then it doesn't make it entirely visible to People that are going by, which is in contrast to now, it, at both of them, they are much more visible. Mm. And even if you do have the caravan that kind of fits in with what you're doing. And, totally, and yeah. we're having meals outside, is that correct, most of the uh, time? In the morning, yeah, we are, yeah. Yeah, okay. Yeah, yep. So, I mean, and I make, that makes a lot of sense, just at least be, have a bit of presence in the yep. in the community. Um, Brayden, I was going to ask you, though, because you, you were scribing for most of this on these two lovely pieces of paper, artwork. Which is why you can't read it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but no, you did good. you did write VBK as a rather rather large letters. Do you want to explain that and and why you wrote that? Uh, I think it's just a way of um, that we uh, – you've probably talked about it on the Shock Absorber before. Again, long, not a long-time listener, but first-time caller. <laughs> 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 I've listened to the first three seasons, I think. <laughs> That's um, right, more than some people. So. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so Vespa Beetle and Combi is mm. how we um, categorise, I guess, uh, smaller, medium and our larger gatherings. Um, and it's just a way of, I think, hopefully recognising that um, there's different needs to these different sizes of congregations. Maybe, um, uh, obviously, churches um, that are much bigger would need a lot more... Um, structures going on and things happening and um, legals and all that kind of stuff going on i'm um, just recognizing um, how we can best love these different sized uh, gatherings by really thinking through these categories mm. and i guess that's what we were doing today and mainly f- focusing on vespa which is the smallest um, category that we have just thinking through how can we um, really effectively um, disciple be on mission and resource a gathering that is the size of a Vespa, which I think is is it like fifteen to thirty ish. Yeah, it's around. Yeah, it's, it's around, around that. that. I mean, the, yeah, we we said we don't want to use numbers too much, but to, to give an idea yeah. of the gathering size, the Vespas are you know fifteen, twenty, uh, maybe up to thirty. Yeah, and then we probably recategorize it as as Beetle, which would be, I would say, thirty two. Yeah, anywhere from 50-ish, yeah. I reckon a little bit below, a little bit above probably. Yeah, yeah. and then a combi is probably hundred, around 100, 100 plus. 100 yeah, plus. Yeah, yeah. So, And I mean, and to describe where we're co- probably at is that I would say that we probably have, how many combis do we have if we describe that as our church? We'd have three. Yep. We have fri- all the ones at Kirawee. Yeah, Friday, Saturday and Sunday morning. Yep, and then Beatles would be 
our Cronulla gathering yep. and ride. Yep. Yep. And this and one of the discussions is, is with the Arrowwar is that where which where part of the reason is we're trying to categorise where is that actually going to be and then yep. how does that inform what we actually do going forward in terms of those gospel opportunities. Yeah. Yep. One thing that we did look at though, in terms of defining if one of these gatherings does become a Vespa is what are the distinctives for that actual gathering? Mm. Can you help us run through that now? Like what were the things that we'd like, because that's coming back to the discussion that you were saying before, Joy, is like how is it still so revival, mm. but how is it uh, appropriate for the context it's currently in, depending on its discipleship, its mission, its resources, where it is, its location, and, and all those kind of things. So tell us, what do you think... But why don't you tell us the things that you thought were definitely going to be there yep. and then we, we can go into the more into detail on the things that we kind of came up with today. Yeah, yeah. I think um, we, we talked and I thought these things would be there, but the sort of three common elements across all three of these, the Vespa, Beetle and Combi being, um, you know, the first one is, is what we do in the service. Is, you know, we pray and we, we confess our sins, we read the Bible and we hear the Bible explained. Yeah, that, that's a given thing, um, that we're friends and that we share a meal together. Mm. Those, those three things are common across all three. Um, the, um, uh, the other thing with the Vesper is we talked about doing it more low-key, so in terms of uh, setup and, and even length of time, those things are just, it's more, it's less about setting up formally and more about engaging in formal relationships informal relationships in in in, 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 in informal, informal relationships. <laughs> um so it's, so it's really just creating space for us to be friends and to get to know each other better uh, to invest in each other's lives and to invite people into that um more than doing all the formal things that we would do normally in church that's not saying we don't do you know, as I said, the, the praying and the reading and the, the sermons, those sorts of things, but actually giving uh, enough time for relationships to, to grow and to cultivate. And I think this is an interesting distinctive that we came up with, and it's not saying it's distinctive to other churches, but this is what we have been talking so far about probably in the last four episodes on The Shock Absorber is friendship. And, Braden, you continually said it's key to everything we do here at Soul Revival. Mm. Please elaborate. And why, why were you saying that? Um, yeah, I think we had, we've had a few discussions um, really focusing in on um, the idea of friendship over the last couple of months as staff, and it's something mm. I keep chatting with um, with Ethan and a few other people as well. Um, it's really key to everything we do at Sorrowville. Like, it's actually really, um, really important. I think it's the thing that... Uh, Obviously, we're not the only church that are friends um, with each other, and I'll make that distinction now, but it's something we really like to focus on because um, I guess the distinction we have between just trying to be friends or just trying to be friends down at the football club is that we can be friends with anyone because we've been reconciled through Jesus. We have that in common, and that's the most important thing. So you think about friendship in any other community, and it's built on the fact that you like the same football team or that you like the same hobby or that you're really into something. Well, we have that distinctive as Christians and as um, Soul Revival where we can build our friendship on the most stable ground, which is Jesus, which is pretty amazing. And uh, we think that's a massive advantage in what we're trying to do in um, reaching out to people and competing with other things that are going on in their lives. But it's also something that just enriches your life in general. Mm -hmm. We talk about a lot about loving God and loving others. Um, yeah, like we can love because he first loved us. That's the foundation, as we said before we even started this conversation, we're partnering with Jesus in this. But then how does that look like? Mm -hmm. And how um, does that flow out? And I think friendship is what flows out of that, um, is that relationship we're able to have with others. Um, and I think that's the distinctive with um, everything that we try and do in terms of practice at Soul Revival is that we want to be a group of friends. We want to be a group of friends because we love Jesus and because he loves us. That's what we build our friendship on and that's how we move forward as a team because we've seen that really change people's lives. Mm. Yeah, no, no, and as you said, we've been talking about it a lot as a staff team, mm. especially 
in terms of rebuilding after COVID. We mm. wanted to rebuild our ministry teams, which have um, suffered a little bit just because of the disconnection that COVID, COVID and COVID restrictions resulted in. Um, the We keep going back to John fifteen fifteen, which says, I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I have called you friends. For everything I have learned from my father, I have made known to you. Joy, can I get your perspective on being friends as not just as leaders, which we're talking about in the context of a staff team, but also just as you're coming to church? Yeah, I think um, I think like we're, we're, when we talk about being friends, we're not talking about, well, we're going to be so close to each other that you know we want everybody to be our best man at our wedding or that type of thing. Um, but it's just that, that sharing of our lives with one another and actually coming to church to hang out with friends, um, to catch up with each other, see how each other are going, pray for each other, encourage each other, spur each other on, uh, just to do life together and to go on this journey of faith together. Um, and when you when you, the chips are down and, and life's tough, you need your, your Christian friends around you to, to support you and encourage you to keep going. And so this idea of being friends is super important, um, not just in leadership but in just in church life in general um, and you know if we're excited about coming and hanging out with our friends at church that makes church even more exciting mm. uh, as it should be and um, I think when we when we're looking to be friends with one another too that we then we go and do stuff with our friends and so we can go on mission we can go um, and, and uh, plant a church we can go and do Bible study we can do all these things together out of those friendship groups as we as we would with any friendship mm. I think it enables us to live uh, Christian lives in all of our life mm. rather than just when you turn up to church yep. or, oh, that person's a Christian at work, but like, what are you, are you actually living it out in a way that actually shows, shines a light of Jesus? Mm. I think that's something I've been thinking a lot about since Tim preached the sermon on salt and light, mm. talking about how there's also almost a mandate from Jesus saying you have, because you have the Holy Spirit, you can uh, improve the lives of other people, whether they're Christians or not, and improve the world, Yeah, yeah. make the world a better place. Yeah. yeah, and I think we've obviously been chatting about this in terms of very inward thing as we're looking at planning a gathering and discipleship and that focus. Um, and I think that's absolutely true. That's the thing that enriches our community and... Um, really helps us focus on that. But as a 13-year-old walking into Gomer Anglican uh, youth group for the first time, like well before I heard the gospel preached or was even interested in, years before I was interested in anything that was said in the talk, the thing that kept me hanging around and the thing that struck me most was the friendship that um, was on display between the youth group leaders and also between the youth and um their leaders and the youth them themselves. Mm. So I think that's something that uh, mm. is a really special part of the community that we can open up to other people. Yeah, yeah. and to echo that, Joy spent a lot of time on me at youth group <laughs> 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 trying to be friends with me <laughs> and eventually we became friends. Eventually wore you down. Yeah, that's yeah. right. Wore you down. <laughs> oh, but that's the, and that's the thing too, I think, is that um, the, I, like we often have uh, ideas of what friendship is and the idea of being friends with everybody at church we might think oh well i need to have oh, i have my friends over my place for dinner so I, how do i have all my friends over mm. all these church people over for dinner there's only so many nights of the week that's why we do meals after yeah. all our gatherings so mm. that we can actually sit around together as friends um and we don't have to have people back to us you might have people back to us that's fine but it is a way that we can actually catch up with our friends every weekend um, whether it's a, you know after after church uh, for a meal or on a Sunday morning before church mm -hmm. for breakfast, all those things, we you know we created opportunities for us to express our friendship. Mm, that's, well, it's a great segue actually to one of the other things that we we kind of named three main things, which is kind of um, the first one was yeah, there's always prayer, there's always Bible reading and, and a sermon. Number two, we're doing it as friends, and number three, we have meals. Mm -hmm. They're real distinctives across all our gatherings. So if we do know we're going to any soul revival gathering that's pretty similar so i wanted to ask you about meals because that's what i was saying it's a great segue um maybe oh, you like meals you do like meals <laughs> that's good i'm glad <laughs> otherwise you probably wouldn't be here very long if you weren't eating any kind of meals uh brayden 
what do you think meals is a, an important thing to have across all of our gatherings? That's, and what we, I should also say, that what we're touching on here is a lot to do with our strategy. So yeah. our theology, which we say is Jesus changes everything, um, stays exactly the same across all of our gatherings. Yeah. Our strategy as well stays exactly the same, which is share the truth of love of Jesus to everyone everywhere. And I think these three things are all coming out of though that strategy mm -hmm. so that's i think another important thing that we've talked about we talked about our momentum in ministry mm. season that we did was having a very clear strategy and i think that some uh, quite a lot of churches miss the strategy part and go straight to the practice having said that let's come back to meals Braden. what do you what do you love about meals or what is the what do you think the reason is that we always do meals across all our gatherings i remember uh so i went as part of i'm at um, college at the Bible college at the moment as part of um, more college you go um, on mission and you go and visit another church um, for a week and partner with them and um, have a bunch of fun and do a bunch of different things and I just remember um, I obviously uh, came to faith through Gymer Anglican and saw revival so I've been doing meals for a long time and I <laughs> went to visit a church on a Sunday and I was and I, I we, it was great and um, <laughs> the talk was great and it was really fun and the music was great. And it was a really good time to hang out. And then uh, this was uh, like a 10 a.m. service and then we finished and then we got our biscuits and I was very sad. <laughs> where's the food? I was, the food? I was starving. I was starving. <laughs> I like, what is this? <laughs> so I think there is that element where it's just hospitality. Um, yep. As Jai said, um, you there's a big part of our culture um, and it's lots of cultures are set around food. And I think Stu would talk a lot about learning from our Aboriginal friends and mm. talking about meals in that way. And I think it's about hospitality and um, loving each other and having that time. I think there's lots of different things that come out of it. And it, on the surface, it might just seem like, Oh, it's just, you're just eating together. But I think it's time. It's not, it's time spent people cooking. They're hanging out, chatting, having a great time and, um, growing as friends together as they're preparing the meal. There's a time we get to spend over the meal chatting about um, whether it's before or after, chatting about the sermon, chatting about your lives, chatting about <laughs> whatever rubbish you want to chat about. <laughs> but again, it's just spending time together. Mm. And I think, yeah, as you've mentioned, Joel, it's that opportunity. Um, oh, not Joel, sorry, Jai. Um, as you mentioned, um, like your real friends, you invite over for dinner. Well, we're all having dinner together because we are all real yeah. friends. Mm. And I love that little bit you picked up on too, that it's it's a, it's a, in a, a scaled up home cooked meal. Yeah. Mm. it's We very rarely go and buy something in or get it catered or anything because mm. I think that misses a little bit of the point is that, again, we're all reconciled to each other. We're all part of one family. So let us serve you by cooking this meal. Yeah. And I think... Um, that's easily missed, but I think it's very key to how we do meals is because we, we, we all line up and go, Where's, oh, great, dinner's ready for us. Yeah. But however many people have slaved away for hours cooking these meals for us, yeah. and I think that's really uh, a lovely... Uh, and it's something that crosses so many cultures. Right. Like, I rem again, to mention mission again, so crazy. We were... This year we were away and um, a Syrian couple who were refugees came and made us just a mountain of food Man. and it's that was their that's their way of loving us and serving mm. us as we were hanging out with them and like you think about how many boundaries and cultures that crosses hospitality loving um they didn't speak english so it's not like we could communicate in that kind of way but they've gone we love jesus and we're just stoked to be able to serve you in this way which mm. i think is just super super cool yeah mm. whereas you would definitely miss that if you got some Company to cater it every week. Yeah, exactly. I think that would be missed a lot. Um, last one that we thought like goes across all the areas, and I'd, I'd, I'd like the two people who have gone to Bible college to <laughs> to to speak about this rather than me, <laughs> is that we base our services or our gatherings or have our meetings around the Book of Common Prayer, the Anglican Book of Common Prayer. Do you guys want to articulate why we do that and what that kind of involves? Or what it looks like, Joy. Uh, we do that because we are Anglican. Yes, um, <laughs> we are an Anglican church, <laughs> and so we we do that. Um, but also the um, uh, the premise of the prayer book is 
to give order and structure to our gatherings and to point us to the most important things um, that we do as we gather together, which is uh, you know, uh, hearing from God, speaking to God and meditating on his word. Um, and so there, you know, there are different uh, forms within the prayer book of inter- when it means form, mean different structures mm. um, that, that you can use, um, but all of them uh, are there and you know, I could go into a, a long kind of explanation of why we have the prayer book and, all those, and the importance of it, all those sorts of things, but I won't. Um, but it, it, it's, to, it's to, to guide us in our, um, our, our, our gatherings together uh, to draw us closer to God. And way. how we worship. And how we worship, yeah. Brandon, and to, Jai said that can look different, but it's still the same, which is yep. what we're kind of talking about in terms of gatherings. But f- for Friday night, for example, you were, you're in you're in charge of a Friday night gathering. Yeah, that looks a little bit different. For example, to our Saturday night gathering at Kirawee, where it's reasonably formal. We'd have yeah. a confession, like when I lead the service at on Saturday night, we have the confession. Someone always prays. Someone mm. always reads the Bible. We have a sermon. And then we, we we do have other things, but they're the kind of the core of the um, the prayer book service. But how would that look different on a Friday night, for example? Mm. So uh, I think the lessons we've learned over the last little bit is that uh, encouragingly we've had a massive influx of um, uh, younger crew that have never been to church mm. and have a very non Christian background. Yeah, very non Christian background, and also just have no. <laughs> expectations of what church should be or is. I don't know what the Anglican Book of Common Prayer is. Well, like, at least, like, I... No, not not even that. Like, I walked into church having never been to church before, but I had seen Ned Flanders on The Simpsons or something. (laughs) Like, there was some kind of cultural touchstone there. Well, they go to church on The Simpsons. Yeah, exactly. Like, there's some kind of... There was some kind of cultural touchstone there that I kind of... Even though it was weird and foreign, I had some kind of framework. I think what we've been experiencing lately is they have zero framework. They, they, there's nothing in their lives or in their, the media they consume or mm. um, that, has, that is close to what church would be. Other than maybe they think, oh, I guess someone's getting up and talking, maybe it's like a classroom. That's their only kind of, um, uh, yeah, cultural touchstone for what's going on, which has actually been really lovely and helpful because it means that um, as we get up and um, chat about on a Friday, we get up and say, hey, someone's going to um, come and read the Bible now. This is why we read the Bible. Mm, someone's going to come up and pray. This is why we pray. Right. Hey, um, the service leader will normally get up and be like, hey, welcome. Um, we're about to sing. This is why we sing. So that's been a really um, helpful and fun realisation um, is having that realisation of like, oh, they're really not acting like how other people act in church. Oh, it's because they've got literally no framework for how to act yeah. in church. Yeah. Um, and they don't really understand what's going on. And they don't understand, um, yeah, what makes it different from, what makes singing in church different from singing at the footy. Or karaoke. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or at Singstar or whatever. Yeah. Like, yeah. they have no framework for that. So and I think that's been a very fun realization instead of it being a frustration once you realize that you're like wow god's really put us in a really fun position mm. where we get to show um, a number of younger crew what church can be mm. and why we do it mm. and not so a, not friday a, problem, a gospel opportunity yes yeah yes so that's what i was going to say because yeah. you're taking what could be considered a, a ministry problem yeah and saying no it's a gospel opportunity we're still yeah. going to keep the uh the prayer book service, yeah, but because they don't have any kind of church background, we're going to explain why it's important that we do yeah. this every single week. Yeah, and I think that's a really good bridge to kind of talking about what we're talking about with the other gathering is if we're going to scale it back down to a Vespa, what does that look like? And Joy, I'll, I'll throw to you on this one. What does that look like scaling it down but still keeping it on the Book of Common Prayer service? Mm. Um, so just to be clear, we don't get up with the Book of Common Prayer. And, yeah, and I keep saying that. Oh, you don't? Uh, <laughs> no, they do on Friday night. Friday night. <laughs> Morning song, evening um, song. Sorry, it's the, it's the framework for how we yeah. kind of run the service. But yeah, it, no, it exactly. differs to a different context. We're yeah. being adaptable. Yeah, yeah. so our, 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 we have a run sheet and it's very much uh, uh, mirrored off that. Um, and so when we were talking investor, we were talking sort of, we're talking smaller. Mm. Uh, we're talking more low-key. Um, we're even talking a little bit more experimental in, in how we 
uh, how we actually gather and the time and all those things. And so um, those three elements that we keep talking about are, are important and those things will not not happen. Does that make sense? So we'll still be we'll still be reading, we'll still be praying, we'll still be doing a sermon. The sermon might be shorter. Mm. Um, the prayers might be um, not one person at the front doing it, it might be a collective. Or praying together. Praying together. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it might be breaking in small groups, it might be just praying from wherever you're sitting. Um, it might be outside doing church instead of inside, picnic rugs or round tables or whatever it might be. Um, but still doing, um, still keeping those things front and centre of our, of our formal meeting. Mm. And I think that, that might, like even if you look at the Bible in Acts, where they're probably facing some hostility as well, mm. um, which we don't face too much hostility in terms of meeting, no. but they would be like meeting in caves, they yep. were meeting in people's houses. Like yeah. there, there, there was ways you'd have to be really quite adaptable and, yeah. and flexible with what you're doing. And I think that's what we're talking about is also is that, you know, as we said, our theology stays the same, our strategy stays the same, but that allows us for our practice to be really flexible yeah. because we've got all those key anchor points to hang off where yeah. we're, we're trying to change things. Yeah. You talked about being experimental though. Yeah. What kind of rockets would you blow up if you're going to a Vesper oh. service? And this is this is not just for this particular gathering, but what would that kind of look like if you were thinking this way? Um, you know, Brady can jump in too. I'm sure. The um, but I think some of the I think it'd be some of those um, pre uh, preconceived ideas on what church needs to be. I think would be a rocket that we would blow up. So as we said earlier about trying to, you know, with 15 odd people trying to do what you do with 100 people. Mm. You know, and that's, I know that's not one of the it's more of a um, sacred cow that you might have to sacrifice than more <laughs> of a rocket blowing up um, but I think in terms of experimenting yeah, it, it might be you know going outside and sitting on the lawn um, and doing church more like a picnic mm. um, that you know that might be a rocket that you, you launch and see how it goes <laughs> and if it blows up it blows up yep. again as I say you don't burn the bridges and and you, you you work out what worked and what didn't work and try something new. Um, I know they've been trying to do more of a sort of almost like a cafe style outside around tables. You know, um, some of those things you give a go. Um, Would you experiment with location? Um, I think location, that's the interesting one. I think there's something about being seen in a particular place often. Consistent. Yeah. Um, as I said, like being in the school where we were hidden mm. was difficult. And now that we're out in the open and people can see us, there's something about that that will actually cause people to stop or um, you know, people will know that we're there. I do know that there are some churches that actually will go for a walk in different places and that's how they'll meet. Oh, that's um, interesting. So, you know, there might be the odd occasion, you know, I'm just thinking off the top of my head where we mm. might decide to go on a walk and the focus of that time might be pr- praying for our community and the area that we're in. Um, you know, that could be a possibility. Progressive breakfast as well. Could so. be, yeah, just someone following us around with the barbecue. <laughs> <laughs> Poor person who's got to wheel it while the other person oh, Maybe you just tow it behind a car or something. I'll stick it on a ute, yeah. yeah. <laughs> just cooking while you're driving around. Yeah. That would be a bit of, a, bit of hard work. Um, I think it's interesting talking about location because we've kind of had those experiences being in schools, yep. which we kind of think yeah, we need to move that. I remember a long time ago where we were at Guyman Anglican, part of the Sorrow Youth Community, and our uh, youth venue, if you want to call it that. We call it the venue, didn't we? Yeah, we did. The yeah. factory, we, the, the owner sold that and we had to move out. Yep. And then we, we did this time where we said we were in the wilderness mm. That was changing location every week, though, wasn't yeah. it? So that's that's kind of different, way. and it's a different context again. It's not; it wasn't distinctly church, but it yeah. was. We were meeting together as Christians all the time on a Saturday night. But yeah. I suppose maybe that's why the friendship thing, coming back to the friendship thing, was really important that we could keep moving around. Whereas I think your point with church that if we want to want more people to come along to it, and I mean to some extent, we always wanted people to come to yeah, yeah. Solis as well yeah. when we were meeting, but the interesting thing would be if you're doing a church that probably needs to be consistently there for someone to you know hopefully go oh, i might go check that out yeah mm. 
Yeah, well, I guess if you think about it, it's like you were going to invite people over your house, but you moved every week. <laughs> like, yeah. Yeah. It's like, where am yeah. I? Where, what's my address again? And even even a, a cafe doesn't move, does it? No. You know that that place stays there, so you know you can always go to it. Yeah, okay, yeah. that makes sense. Do you think that influences, Braden, I might get your opinion on this first. Do you think having, how much do you think the location influences the leadership team and then consequently the, the rest of the congregation that's going to that gathering got any thoughts mm. on that yeah i think it's an interesting question like so um as you said before i'm in charge of the friday gathering mm. and it was the first gathering planted from saturday night yep. and so um but it's also had a lot of ups and downs and changes <coughs> over that time period a lot of, we've a lot of rockets. we've been vesper and beetle we've kind of gone vesper beetle vesper beetle vesper mm. beetle along in terms of um like strategies and um, things and um frameworks yeah. and number as well um and so over that time period i think i've really enjoyed experimentation but it was also about real like Jai said realizing where you're at and what you're able to pull off and do mm. and so we've been set up as a formal church we've been we've moved rooms we've obviously <laughs> always been at the curie gathering but we've set up in a horseshoe in our main auditorium we've moved to lounges we yeah, like heaps of moving across back and forth trying to figure out what worked and what worked for the people that we had and what we could set up and what we could pack down things like that um and that's depended on the leadership because it's also probably changed leadership more than any other gathering which has been um, really lovely and refreshing yeah. um over the time period and different ideas and different things happening um but i think uh when we found um really successful and great is when we um, had a high buy-in from that leadership team and really put a core team together that was bigger than an individual or a couple of people. Mm. Um, and that's been uh, really just before COVID and since COVID. And we had a lot of fun in COVID. We experimented during that period. We were Lego. We were in a car. <laughs> I'm trying to think of what, what, what crazy things that we did the construction online. construction night. And I think that was yeah. like some a blessing from COVID is that uh, it gave us opportunity to be really free and experimental. We obviously still... Um, we're friends and we still had um, the um, Book of Common Prayer as our underpinning to um, everything we were doing. Obviously, we couldn't have digital meals, but <laughs> maybe next lockdown. Um, <laughs> Please not. <laughs> send Uber Eats to everyone. But yeah, like we had those underpinnings and got to build off that. And we found that the people who did stick around with us during that time period came out of COVID just super stoked and ready to go. And I think that's what's helped us kick on and kick off post that. And um, Friday night has been growing consistently. Yeah, mm. yeah. and it was um, it really grew out of that. I think so. We had that time to really form and storm as a leadership, smaller leadership team because we could only have so many people on site, and we had to, um, and we could only interact so much. And so we really pulled the core team together sorted it out and then as we came out of COVID it was a momentum shift thing and I think that was really lovely and I think it also um, to go back to your original question that shows the power of having a close-knit leadership community that had a goal and that were friends and then did that during two different lockdowns and came out of it stronger. Mm. I think actually it mirrors a lot with our ride gathering mm. as well, because they basically began on Zoom. A couple of friends, Grace and Michelle, who did come to our church at, at one point in time, and then they were interested in planning a church, and they started as a, as a, a they called it Bible chats, where they spoke, they chatted every Wednesday night mm. with whoever wanted to come on Zoom during lockdown um, to talk about what the Bible was saying and what it meant and relationship with Jesus and all that kind of thing. Mm. And now they've grown to a, we'd say a beetle size mm. and uh, they launched recently and I'd love to get um, at some point we'll get Joey our pastor at Ride to come and talk about it more but I think that's a, another clear example is that they had a really strong core team who yeah. were friends together mm. and then we're ready to go out and see what Jesus had had for them to do so another good example um, this has been really fun because I think we've, we've had a lot of fun today coming up with these gospel opportunities and how yeah. we can and move things around. I'd, I'd just uh, like maybe to wrap up the episode, I'd like to ask both of you, like, what have you learned from doing this today? Whether it's on the podcast or doing it, what we were doing uh, over lunch, really, wasn't it? Hmm. Mm. 
<laughs> Learned that Cronulla was really far away. <laughs> That's not true. <laughs> inside joke. Uh, yeah, yeah, that was yeah. an inside joke where someone, <laughs> someone, one of our interns said that Cronulla is a long way away and it's literally a 20-minute drive. And I, I had to just look at Joey and shake my head. Yeah, Joey's <laughs> like, uh, yeah, right is a lot further than that <laughs> from yeah. where we are. Um, yeah, I think um, what's I've pulled out of today and what's been very exciting is finding joy and opportunity um, in what we're doing, whether it's um, being, whether it's with a lot of people or, or a few people. Um, I think it's interesting when um, you can pull the distinction that a successful or a healthy church is a big church when I don't think you'd say that about your friendship group. Mm. You, you could have a successful and healthy friendship group that's just you and one other person. <laughs> and ultimately, like I'd say you'd have a you can have a pretty successful um friendship group with just you and God. But to go beyond that as a church expression, I think you can have a successfully successful and healthy church of fifteen people and just looking how we can make that a sustainable and loving thing. And obviously we, we want to aim to grow because we've been called mm. um by um jesus to go and make disciples and we want to do that obviously but also just thinking through um not just where you want to be but where you're at and how you can be um successful and healthy there mm. i think that's been a really cool thing to think about mm. Mm. joy yeah i think um yeah similar the um the 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 reminder of the freedom that we have in uh experimenting with our church while keeping you know certain things our core things keeping them at the core but there is room to move within that um you know i was even thinking as Braden was talking about the stuff that they've done here on a friday night i know when we were at the school at woolaware every three or four months we changed direct the orientation of the church (laughs) because we're trying to find what was the best the toilets were behind like behind the stage and the entrance it was all kind of weird and we just kept changing um and that was you know, it kind of created a, you know, sometimes people walk in and go, oh, we've, you know, which way are we going to be facing this way? This, yeah. This, today. Which way is it this time? Yeah, you know, um, it just, but just having that culture of experimenting, um, I think you can do that with friends. You can, you can, um, you know, you, you can try stuff and if it doesn't work, you know, as friends, you just go, oh, that was fun, wasn't it? Or mm. let's try something else. Yeah, it's not a one and done kind no, of thing. No, no. So I think that, you know, experimenting with friends is fun. Um, it's, it's heaps of fun. And I think having that friendship and the, that culture to do that and the freedom to experiment while keeping certain things uh, front and centre uh, has been really encouraging today to, to keep thinking through. Um, yeah, you know, obviously we're not going to start doing weird and wacky things, but... We'll keep the core things the core, but mm. um, just knowing that they're, you know, they're, they're, as, as I think you said earlier, you know, in Acts, they've met in different places and in different ways. Uh, over time, the history of Sorrow Bible Church, we've met in different ways and in different places. And so we can do those things. Mm. Um, I think, you know, in terms of the size of churches, that actually can be really freeing. And the low key nature of some of those things means that um, we can prevent burnout or. Mm. Um, We'll devote more time to relationships and, and mission and discipleship. Mm. Um, so yeah. So. No, I mean, I, I've been thinking the same thing. Yeah. I think that's what I'm uh, really encouraged by, is that because uh, Braden said earlier we have the solidity of Jesus, mm. the solid foundation that it actually doesn't matter what we do, and that allows us to fail. It allows us to experiment. It allows us to blow up rockets. Mm. And still go well. Jesus is still in charge. Yep. We're still partnering with him, so he'll he'll show us show us the way. We'll we'll probably make some mistakes. We're sinful. We probably won't do exactly what he wants us to do, but one way or the other, he's still allowing us to experiment with these ways to try and build his kingdom. And I think that's what's been really encouraging. I think as a staff team, but also just individually and being part of this church, that that we can we can actually do that. Mm. Um, it kind of comes full circle back to the Jesus Revolution movie. <laughs> it really you know? does. So like they, they, he took a chance. He experimented. Could have blown up in his face. Yep. It didn't. God was was very gracious, yeah. and, and church grew. Even looked like it was going to blow up in his face. A but couple then, of times, by the sounds. Yeah, yeah, that's right. You know? And it's, that's a huge risk too. Like bringing in barefoot, 
barefooted people to wreck the carpet <laughs> or putting a tent up because the church is too big, you yeah. know, all those things. So, yeah, those experiments are, can pay off sometimes too. Yeah, and I think it's interesting that uh, the one and done thing of like, uh, it's a the Friday, Friday night is a perfect example of that. It's 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 shifted between Vesper and Beetle four or five, maybe six times, and that's okay to do that because we have the again the solidity to fall back on. It's um, we often think that like if we do it once, that's the only way we can do it. We have to get it right. We have to get it perfect. But the thing is that we're not perfect. Mm. So why don't we just you know remember that Jesus is taking care of everything for us on the cross. We're reconciled to each other as friends. We can take those risks and blow up a few rockets. Not, not do not do something wild and out there and well, crazy. We're talking about hurting people. Yeah, too, by the way, we're <laughs> yeah. talking about blowing up rockets. Yeah, I know, but like, yeah, exactly. But it's again, just try some stuff. Yeah, see how it goes, and that's and I think we learn a lot of that through youth ministry, mm. and it was that's why it's exciting that our church kind of we learn all those lessons in youth ministry which helped us to go, we can do this in church as well and still make mistakes and still not get things right and still partner with Jesus to hopefully grow his, grow his church. So it's been really fun talking about these guys. Thank you so much. Thanks, Thank, thank you, Jai. Thank you, Braden. Thank you for doing this on a whim because I thought this was a, we thought this was a kind of cool idea to talk about. I think this is where we want to head with the Shock Absorber is to throw out ideas and actually work things out on camera or on tape <laughs> oh yeah straight to tape on vinyl yeah, on vinyl. <laughs> real to real uh, yeah exactly but also thanks to everyone listening and uh or watching and um if you do have any other questions or you want to challenge us on what we're talking about today uh or you want to figure like chat to us about the process or whatever whatever you have any questions about what we're talking about email me at joel at chocosorba.com.au and we can talk about it on the podcast or you can come and meet us if you want to um but it's been fantastic again as always, uh, do check out the Re- Jesus Revolution movie if you haven't. Out yeah. in cinemas now. Do yourself we'll, a favour. Yeah, we'll put a link in the show notes for the trailer if you haven't seen it. But um, that was a lot of fun to see that too. So uh, in the spirit of the Jesus movement, we're going to finish with a one-way. 